you know, there have been people, there have been a lot of testimonies from people. Sylvia, welcome back to the higher side. Hello, Greg. 
Greg, your introduction made me smile so wide, wider than my face. Thank you for that. <laughs> Happy to hear it. And I'm so glad to be doing this again. People still say four years later that the interviews I've been able to do with you are some of their favorites. And I can't believe the world has gotten as crazy as it has. The virus, the masks, the scary level of control, and the effectiveness of fear for getting such widespread compliance has all really surprised me. I know you've done videos this year on herbology, crystal healing, and spiritual health, and we got a lot of great stuff to talk about today, but I did want to ask you a little bit about how you've been doing in this year of the coronavirus. Are you seeing the same fear and control that we're getting here in the States? Not where I live. I was looking on that site, and on top of that, anyway, my style is like this, that unless I'm on expedition, I rarely get out of my garden anyway. I'm a full-time meditating and doing my spiritual practices. Actually, I was quite late to learn about the coronavirus because I also don't read the regular news. So, uh, I only heard about this. Yeah, some people wear masks, but here we were not affected. But I know that it has been quite horrible and it still is for many people out there. And how much truth do you think there is to the whole story? Or is this just another one of the parasites' dirty tricks? Well, the virus certainly exists. It's not as dangerous as they tell us. I think they were banking on infecting more people and having more victims. And probably that didn't happen according to their expectations. Or as some, it leaked. In a few places, they could not infect enough people. And... It's just a scare campaign. I mean, more people die from flu, who have tuberculosis, many other much more frightful epidemics, of course. It's just a fear epidemic. Yes, a fear epidemic indeed. And there's nothing to fear but fear itself, and it just seems to be another control agenda of the parasites to a degree, although a pretty effective one, and widespread too. But to set up the main topic of the day, You have been following a Russian whistleblower slash prophet named Alexander Paramanov that is getting a lot of traction in the non-English speaking alternative world that is revealing a lot of hidden history that jives with your Survivors series. He says he's a UN consultant, supposedly one of the richest investors in Russia, chief commander of the Hospitalier Knights, one of the few knight orders that was never subservient to the Vatican or the Freemasons, head of something that roughly translates to the Department of Anti-Terror for the KGB USSR, an agency that was supposed to be dissolved with the Soviet Union but has stayed intact in secret until now. As you mentioned to me, if you've heard the spirit guides correctly, he might very well be one of the main characters in the play called The End Times. Very interesting stuff, but what else would you say to introduce Alexander Paramanov to this audience? Yeah, okay, let's start with more earthly stuff, so to say. What I can verify from the Russian press, because not everything which we listed is verifiable, but first of all, he's practically the owner of the M1 treasury, which really seems to be the richest international monetary 
treasury in the world, practically owning most of the physical gold on earth, far bigger than the U.S. treasury. And the base of that gold, physical gold, they actually made the Bretton Woods system. Because although they are printing money, still there is some relation to gold. And in his fund, he really seems to be the legal owner of most of it. And the largest chunk he received by accepting in his treasury these white spiritual boy accounts, which are billions and quadzillions. And when the media tries to speak about them, I can actually forward you the actual documents of the transfer it's like half a page with zeros <laughs> um, people don't know what kind of word to use for this quote zillions on how many times multiplied so that seems to be true he seems to be the legal owner of all that gold which is kept in accounts in all major banks of the world and i think it is not just his claim because since he started uh, making appearances, which is in the last couple of months only, it's a very, very recent story, there has been some response from the Russian official side, because although he's UN consultant, he is definitely not a member of the mafia. He is in no way connected with them. He is by himself alone. And I think that the biggest confirmation that he is for true is that he is still alive <laughs> after all he has done. So there is a reaction because he started sending them letters, very interesting letters, about which I'm going to tell you shortly, to all banks and official institutions, governmental institutions, maybe in Russia, but also worldwide. And there has been some reaction which confirms that he is not some person who is, you know, publishing videos and saying anything else from the basement of his mother's, you know, from the basement of his grandmother. <laughs> and also there is plenty of reference and also footage and plenty of proof that he has been in the past on high-level government positions in Russia and that in the past years he has been always mentioned in the media as the richest investor richer than the entire state of russia itself far richer wow yeah that seems to be true really <laughs> well this is pretty amazing and the timing's really interesting because i recorded an episode not long ago with gary lockman an esoteric researcher who wrote a book called Holy Russia, and it's largely about this feeling of a Russian destiny or the idea that the change that we want to see in the next chapter of humanity would come from Russia, that something would emerge from that pocket of the world. And then you messaged me about this story and how interesting it is, and it just seemed to sync up really well. But you're right, he does talk about the Bretton Woods Agreement and the Bank of International Settlements, which is interesting because we've had guests in the past talk about the Bank of International Settlements as a structure that was used to move Nazi accrued wealth around after World War II, and it's speculated to fund most of the black budget for a sort of breakaway civilization, and 
it's hard to untangle, but I do think we all find these stories of shadow banking really interesting, and Alexander seems to be explaining this because it's this new non-parasitical financial system that we're going to be onboarded to once the cabal system collapses. Is that kind of right? Yeah, and the good news is that he really promised many times in his speeches, in his appearances, and he underlined it, it was not just a mention, that he's gonna put an end to this entire parasitic system, like clean it, completely disinfect everything. He promised that, he said it will surely happen, we are surely gonna do it, well, that's the only good question news. is how are we gonna reach there? For that he said there are different ways. And first he is trying to do it in a diplomatic way without any unrest. He started a few months ago by sending these official letters. In Russia he covered practically all official governmental and other institutions and rich investors because he's not just an ordinary person, he's the richest person on earth, and he informed them very officially that the end of the parasitic reign is coming. I'm telling you this for sure, and this is your last chance to convert to the side of the light, stop all genocide. He calls this entire parasitic genocide without end. And it's like an ultimatum. And he required, he sent all these letters because he wanted to warn everybody that it is clear for everybody. And he explained to them as a UN consultant how is it going to be in the future and why it is in their best interest to leave the sinking ship before it is too late. Apparently, they did not listen much, which does not surprise us. And even at that time, when he started sending the letters, he told them frankly that if it does not work with uh, peaceful means, we are going to do it anyway and it won't be pretty. And in general, he's scarcely giving prophecies, but in general he indicated that it will be extremely difficult, the transition, he said so. Like we have the biblical scenario of end times, which is also the same with Muslim people, they have practically the same scenario for the end times. He said a lot of that will unfortunately happen. We'll follow that scenario, not precisely, but loosely. And he said now it actually begins, and from now on, this was just a couple of months ago, he said now it starts, and it will be only intensifying more and more. The crisis will be deeper and will come more and more often. Hmm. Well, it's really exciting, and when you told me about this, I was happy to have you back to talk about really anything that you wanted to talk about, but I get nervous with these types of whistleblowers who claim to be highly connected, working for the light, saying that the parasitic controllers are going down and the transition will be happening soon, because it feels like every few years, someone like this starts to get a little traction in the alternative community, but they never have turned out to be genuine so far. Can you speak a little bit more about why you think Alexander is different? Help people understand a bit more about the indications that this guy might be the real deal. This is an excellent question. I still cannot 
confirm that as of 100%, I am so fascinated with him because when first I saw him, I had a vision myself about all these things and then I heard them from him. So for me personally, that was, but of course my vision cannot be confirmation for the other people. Well, for now, I can only say that I listened a lot to him. He's a man of absolute integrity and wisdom that I can say. And for now, just uh, what I can truly confirm looking at the plentiful resources in the Russian media is this funds, this treasury that he has, that is for sure. So at least on that basis, we should keep an eye on what he says. Yes, I think that's totally fair. Always got to watch what's going on. And if you vouch for him, at least in part, that goes a long way with me. And can you describe some of the hidden history he talks about and how it ties in with the work you've done in the past? A lot of it is about the Shambhala backstory, right? Yes, that's how it all starts. And the amazing thing is when he started revealing all these things about the ancient history, it was like listening to the survivors <laughs> documentary uh, history, which I presented earlier. And also the way he gives some details about the world, the way it will be after the transition, which is also curious and ties a lot with the research which I'm doing currently, which is on the end time and new world uh, prophecies. So he says that with the help of his treasury, in the future, there will be also some sort of kingdoms, but not the way we imagine them now. Not that they will have power over the people, they will be only like servicing institutions. Because the money, all the gold, he says, all this gold will be returned to the people and they will not be in a position to be in shackmate from their king or leader. What if he is corrupt? He says this should not be allowed in the future. Hmm. The leaders, they can only serve. They will not be given the right to tell the people what to do. And I'm actually amazed when subsequently during the last month I studied end time prophecies to find this exact detail of how when the new earth comes they will return the gold to the people and I was like okay and these were not very famous prophecies but they were coming from all corners and many other small details like this and it was only yesterday that even I found two medieval prophecies that it will be the hospitalier knights who will do this transition. And I was like, wow, and this is very difficult to find information from some medieval nuns who had visions. So there have been many things that click. And as you mentioned this, that the light will come from Russia, there are many confirmations about this. The famous Edgar Casey, the famous Vanga, and many other prophecies. Also, I found the treasure of Catholic prophecies, very well compiled material by a Catholic author. And over there, I was amazed to see how many saints who were tested by the 
church in the past. Now this is meaningless because the Catholic Church is so corrupt. But in the past they were not so rotten, and the fact that they were tested and confirmed to be real visionaries means something. And so many of them saw Christ coming from the east on horse. Very, very interesting. <laughs> It is, and I like how you tie in many different prophecies and just look at what the, the bulk of the work is trying to say, the narrative that all these pieces are trying to explain. But one of my curiosities about prophecy and this sort of stuff is how time always seems to be a little shaky when it comes to the spiritual world and insights that come from it. How do we know we don't have like another thousand years of pain? How do we know we're really on the cusp of that next chapter? Oh, we have so many prophecies about this exact decade that we are now in that I will be very, very surprised if we don't enter the tribulation now. And I would expect it to happen within the next few years. Possibly even complete in this decade or in the beginning of the next. And since I've been in touch with the Catholics ladies studying their side along with lots of Islamic sources, a week ago I heard that everybody has heard about the Fatima prophecies, right? Those were really genuine. People saw the light of the apparitions Saint even Germain. from a couple of kilometers. So Saint the Germain Fatima was incident witnessed by thousands. And at that time, I found an information that they did not, you know, they have some faith from the Pope. They published the prophecies, but this was their interpretation made at that time. While there was an information from the people who were actually there, and one of them claimed that, and he was like a respectable person at that time, that in the Virgin Mary told the children that the culmination will be in 2000, 29 um, mm. the combination of the great shift mm. very interesting and I mean I will certainly say things have heated up and if the mark of the beast has anything to do with mandatory vaccinations mm. with digital tattoos and complete control over those who opt in then you are right we seem to be pretty close to that and in terms of Shambhala there's some interesting stuff he mentions particularly that it used to be the earthly headquarters of the race from the constellation of the Red Dragon. Is that right? Yes, yes. The Red Dragons, they were the guardian spirit of the Chinese race. And this story is from the Slavic Vedas and reached us through Paramount. He's all the time quoting the Slavic Vedas. So the thing is that 1,000 years ago when the Kali Yuga, or in Slavic terms, the Night of the Sparok started, they knew that the descendants of Hyperborea will be so much oppressed that they wouldn't be able to even keep their treasures and books, so they gave them for safekeeping to the keepers of Shambhala who did not fulfilled their promise, did not keep them properly, and Shambhala had to be destroyed because of that. And according to Paramonov, it got destroyed during the time of that 
if you remember the great earthquake in Gujarat, it was felt in Gujarat, but actually he said that the epicenter was exactly at Shambhala, and at that time they destroyed all this illusory world there because of not keeping properly the artifacts of the Hyperborean gods and not delivering them back to their rightful owners now when the time came. Yes, I thought that was a really interesting aspect because he mentions that the people of Shambhala had some sort of world-creating technology and some sort of sacred box that, as you say, they were supposed to guard. Sounds a little bit like the Ark of the Covenant or that kind of technology, but this benevolent race living largely inside the earth used to use this technology to make these vast worlds on the inside of the earth, forests and rivers and Garden of Eden-style landscapes beneath the surface full of life. This is stuff we've heard about, but of course, as you say, it might have all been destroyed by this massive earthquake, but the inner worlds being so rich with life, this might tie into that. Well, Shambhala is just one part of them, and it was created by the initiated people of the followers of the Red Dragon. Not all Chinese are initiated into that. They had more knowledgeable keepers. So the way they broke the deal, instead of just keeping the artifacts, they were told to keep them without making use of them, but they opened the forbidden boxes and they found the knowledge of how to create worlds and realities but they didn't have the corresponding level. And that's why they were able to create all that illusory world underground in Shambhala with all the butterflies mm. and pleasant rivers <laughs> and the entire ecosystem. But they did not have the power to fuel it forever because it wasn't their level. And that's how they started feeding the power of us. They started milking our subtle energy by making us suffer and all kinds of techniques, all of them satanic, to feed their worlds. And as far as that particular portion, Shambhala, which is not equivalent with the hollow earth, that is just one small spot of underground worlds. There are apparently many other facets of it, but that one, according to Paramount, got destroyed. And in general, the red dragon their deity also left them and he also foretold very sad future for the entire race because of that. And I found something that might be confirming that in the Islamic, it's in the Quran, the story of Juj and Madruj, which will need a very sad end during their entire race, will need a very sad fate during the end times. Yikes. And he mentions a few other forms of ancient technology that an energy grid was put around the planet, which keeps the frequency low, a sort of human potential limiter that was designed for a population of a million people. So this was an interesting aspect because it seems like this software or this technology is struggling today because it was designed for a million people although the global population is one of the things that you think they've been lying to us about right i think billion actually he used that term which 
can have different uh, meanings in Russian, but anyway, according to him, the population is much less, the real population of the Earth, but still it is close to that critical number which will make their grid not function properly. And he gave uh, like a very technical description of this grid, of convex mirrors, all kinds of cables and frequencies below and above Earth to really distort the very space and limit our entire reality. And that's why, as far as I understood, since this started, our time flows much, much faster. And that's why in the past, in the old books, we find references that people had units of time. They were dividing the seconds into many, many units. That's because they had a much broader experience of time and we are so limited, everything for us has shrunk to such an extent. And also he explained that because of that grid, we perceive the real truth, the subtle world as something dreamy and imaginary, and we perceive this demonic frequencies as the only stable and real thing. Hmm. Well, it's definitely true that ancient timekeeping seems way more sophisticated than our modern linear system, that's for sure. And there's clearly a lot of elements to the story he's telling, but one of my favorite threads is that the parasites discovered some type of cosmic AI that they've used to control us, maybe related to the grid. And maybe because we're in the end times and it was part of the plan all along, like some sort of Trojan horse, but this cosmic AI that they have been using that they got from some unknown source has started to betray them in major ways. And they're starting to lose their power and control because the AI that they've gone all in on isn't behaving as it should. It's not obeying them. Is that right? Yes, yes. That was a very story giving us a lot of hope. I hope it is true. And the way this AI betrayed them is that when they were making this supercomputer technology, which is partially extraterrestrial, some of the programs were of course written by earthly people so that it can be adapted to our conditions and he also explained that initially like decades ago it was not so good but now they have developed a lot they have made it much more perfect they are trying to make supercomputer but the thing is that when they they were making this artificial intelligence they needed to put some sort of living creature to be embodied in all those cables because it is always the spark of the soul oh, so which ultimately runs everything. So they spires. needed that spark. And at that time, they put some of their people, like some small dragon-like creature or some gray I did not understand very well, somebody from these races. But because everything is ultimately up to the desire of the world, who knows the future, at that time he looked okay, but now it turned out that he made up his mind to join the side of light. Which is touching another interesting moment that what he explained about all these races that we've heard about, the greys, the reptilians, they're also getting polarized at this moment. 
some of their members are also figuring out that it is wiser to join the side of light. So they are splitting there as well at the moment. As you see here on Earth, it, it's becoming more and more like water and oil. Yeah, people don't mix anymore. So. Yes, I thought that was a really interesting aspect of what he says, that the time is coming where there will be no more people in the middle, that everybody will have chosen a side, and that is true. Things are so polarized that you can't not have chosen a side at this point, and that's strange, but also true. And this brings us to the July 1st, 2019 submarine fire incident, one of the most provocative threads here. The official story of this incident is that the Russian Navy was, quote, taking underwater measurements of the seafloor when a fire broke out and the 14 crew members were killed. Seven who died had the rank of Captain First Class and two were recipients of the Russian Federation Award. And this is where it gets interesting because even just reading the official story, Wikipedia says... The presence of such a high-ranking crew on a single vessel may be an indication that the vessel was carrying out a high-risk task or testing a new capability at the time of the accident. In comparison, submarine Kurnst, which was lost after a similar disaster, had 118 crew members and only two had the title of Captain First Rank. So just having so many people of high rank is very curious and suggests they were doing much more than taking some deep sea measurements. But what does Alexander say this event was all about? Because it ties into that AI betrayal, doesn't it? Yes, it ties into raising the frequencies, which is all coming now at the end times, which have started according to him. He says that they were actually the parasites were trying to bomb one of the portals from Hyperborea, or maybe, let's say, the gods of light. Maybe for Christians it will be more like Jesus Christ, although it might be difficult to connect at this point, but according to him, all will get connected once the new age starts, the new earth starts, and it will all become clear. So when they saw that the frequencies are rising and their grid is not functioning so well and some people are figuring out how to get out of the illusion, they decided to take direct action and just bomb the portal, yeah? That's their <laughs> approach to everything. But the missile simply refused. It did not work because everything is wired to their IE network, to computers, and computers work according to the will of God, not according to parasitic will when the Lord doesn't want that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was just really interesting. They're trying to destroy or bomb a Hyperborean portal. And when they try the technology of the AI that they use would just not obey them and destroyed the sub. Fascinating stuff. Does Alexander tell of any other missions like that with a cover story that were really about this cosmic power struggle for the fate of the planet? I will tell you first what other Russian probably prophet said about these things. 
отрок Вячеслав. He said, during the end times there will be lots of events, really a lot. But he said, I'm gonna tell you only what is related to the dark side because they will be exposed by the numerous prophets, religious prophets, all kinds of prophets during the ages. You will know what to expect from them. However, Otrok Vyacheslav said, you will not find the tactics of the white side in any prophecy. That's how they will work. They will work in secret until the end and nobody will know what to expect from them. And I notice that also Paramonov is giving lots of details about the parasitic approach and what they are planning. Like, for example, two, three months ago, he warned the people that there will be false agitators who will try to rise them to riots so that there is just a bloodshed. He also warned that the inflation can start at any time and money can lose value. So he is giving warnings like this, but as far as how exactly the side of the light will manage the situation, he does not give out any details, but he only implies that it will be done with, how to say this, magical power, white magic, like the will of the God. Mm-hmm. It won't be direct. Well, that's good. Interesting. And another thing that was kind of related to this is apparently a couple of months ago when it comes to the tactics of the parasites some elite went into bunkers with the intention of destroying the planet and coming out later to reboot the surface world as you do but the bunkers have been sealed and they're stuck there now he said those gates will never open now and this is apparently related to why so many children have gone missing in recent years they needed slaves and unfortunately food in the bunkers apparently Mm. is that right yes yes exactly that was a funny story that they will he said they will end up eating each other down there in the bunkers because they think they can escape the will of the lord by locking themselves but for them there is this problem that's how will they end up and he's very much upset by this human trafficking, the child trafficking. He gives out lots of details about that. This is something he really, really dislikes. And he says it's the main reason for which God will get angry at the end. And the anger of God described in the Bible, because we're here and we can talk because we are still free but what about all these people who get kidnapped get missing all the time Mm -hmm. we just don't talk to them that's why we don't know what they're going through but god knows Mm -hmm. and he said it's exactly that which will excite the anger of the god and then he said or to be more precise it has already done it Hmm. well i like the idea that the universe always (laughs) lets the positive side win out in the end even though we're just in the middle of the story now you mentioned that just the fact that he's alive and has survived any attempts to silence him says a lot and it's true that at least I have this perception that Putin keeps a pretty close eye on anything that challenges the current establishment's power in Russia 
do we know that there have been attempts to silence Alexander, or would we just assume that because of how Russia is currently run? No, there have been many attempts to murder him because he has been working also for the secret services a long time ago, yeah? Initially, not anymore. Yes, definitely. Not just silencing, directly killing him. But I just want to add something, a very important prophecy that comes not only from him, but I also found it in many other verified prophecies. And this very important detail and also in the Bible and in the Islamic prophecies, Christ, he will appear, but it will be really in the last moment when all hope will be lost. There will be this war of Armageddon. And at the time when he appears, the Antichrist and the marked people, they will be already celebrating their victory during this war. And the small army supporters of Christ, they will be just a couple of people sieged somewhere, you know, like there is a rebel and here and there a few spots, few people are left, but this doesn't really matter, it's not really counted. So at that time it will be announced the Antichrist won, and it will be some days after that that Christ will actually come. And I think this is very important for all righteous people to know so that they don't lose hope. That's kind of one of the things that gets me about some prophecies like this is that they're always saying, well, you know, don't worry, we are the light. But in the same breath, they're also telling us that there are many, many deceptions out there and people are going to fall to the Antichrist and the Antichrist is going to be presented as the true Christ. And so with so much back and forth and tug of war and so many tricks and scams and schemes played, it just seems very difficult to hone in on the one true benevolent being. It's it's just difficult, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of grace for people who get tricked by the uh, darkness. Actually, when I started very recently, this and the last month, to study the prophecies, I found an amazing amount of information, like... The Antichrist is so well described. Both Islamic sources and Christian describe his birth in a Semitic family. Also in cross religion there are references sure that he will make his headquarters in Jerusalem. So it will not be very difficult to recognize him. Also I found many independent references from verified prophets, yeah, really verified, like Jehani and Irmaya, that he will also have these worldwide performances. I don't know if he will be a singer himself or he will have a bunch of singers with himself, but he will be like performing miracles and stuff. And he will have these worldwide tours visiting all major cities. It will not be at all difficult to recognize him. And after all, he will be the first one to claim to be God. The first one is the wrong one. And his headquarters are in Jerusalem, only his. So. <laughs> right on. I think that's going to resonate with a lot of this audience to hear that the Antichrist would be born to a Semitic family and be based in Jerusalem. I mean, I guess you're right, because there are a lot of 
evildoers that I look at and it seems quite obvious that you shouldn't put your faith in them, like Bill Gates, for example, yet people do. And if I was a betting man, I would say he was an agent of darkness and maybe a soldier of the Antichrist, if you want to put it in those terms. But you also have a video that I thought was interesting with the title, something to the effect of, is Christ a tulpa? You know, a physical manifestation of collective mental energy that has had many incarnations throughout time, probably more than we know. And I think that's a really interesting angle. The video is called, is God a tulpa? Yes, Christ is God. That is extremely complicated topic. And that's why the video is very long, because it will be very difficult to explain anything about this in five or ten minutes, because first of all, it has to be explained to the people that imaginary is the real thing, and why is it so, and how is it so, and then to explain what is a tulpa. So this is a very deep subject. Even before hearing the question, I think maybe that that requires like a seven hours interview. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. I do think this audience is clued in on parts of that, that the mental realm, the realm of ideas, the spiritual realm, things filter down from there and that collective mental energy can create physical things. So it is dense and deep and I urge people to check that out. But I think that even just what you said, people might get a, a, a brief glimpse at the gist there. And I guess to ask you more about what Alexander says and some of these prophecies and a few of your videos in that playlist that do go over this work, there are a few mentions of the moon. And that's something I was going to ask you about. What does he say about the role of the moon in this overall system? Because so many people are still confused as to what this system even is. What is the cosmology? What is this environment? And apparently the moon does play an important role. He described the moon as a transmitter of this. They give out programs like demonic programs which are projected in our realm. And it comes through the moon and then it reflects to Kailas and then it spreads with their demonic network and people who are tuned to fear, people who drink alcohol and watch TV, they think that it's their own thoughts, but actually they're simply transmitting those same frequencies and the moon he described only as a transmitter. I think that's really provocative. They have just a station. Uh, it doesn't mean that it is only a transmitter. It may have many other functions. Maybe there are also good people living there, but there is just a demonic base somewhere. It could be mixed. Well, the other two angles on the moon that I've heard about, obviously it is very anomalous. Scientists can't seem to figure out how it is there, where it came from. So there's something mysterious about it. I've also heard from your videos and other places that souls incarnate through some sort of system that involves the moon and also that these parasitic beings are still mining the earth and taking some of this material to the moon. Yes, it, it goes via the moon. It goes on ships, he said, uh, Paramonov said. He said that when he was young and he was studying high finance and politics, 
he said I could never understand why what was it 60% the percentage could be a bit wrong of all these oil contracts are dry they're like fictitious and only later on he understood that all this oil that is covered by these dry contracts actually goes off planet some of it in its natural form and some of them they convert to some other energy and then they export it and through the moon there are bases for that they also mine gems gold whatever they find and he said they have made because earth is also our earth but it is also like a belt of planets which are very similar to the earth and he said they have made it like a production line they mine all these planets they install this parasitic grid to make the people crazy and at the end they blow it all up completely in a nuclear war and they have done this with many other earths he said but this time it will be the different one because our dimension our earth he said is like the central earth and at this time god has decided to put an end to all this and that's why he said that this time the biblical scenario will not be followed closely it will be somewhat different and at this time some people will survive and not as usual that they blow up everything hmm. that's really interesting too because i've interviewed john brandenburg a doctor from nasa who discovered some isotopes in the martian atmosphere that can only be there by some type of nuclear explosion and it seems some type of evidence is there that in the ancient past even our closest neighbor mars went through some sort of destruction period and there's pyramids and ruins and all kinds of stuff on mars so maybe this is part of a longer cycle yes yes and i had a vision maybe 10 years ago and i was shown like this demons they were blowing these planets exactly like this in a row one after another that was during a ceremony at that time i did not understand it and i even asked the divine mother why are you showing me all this and at that time she just told me you need to recognize them when you meet them and only now i start to understand what she meant and probably this planets being blown up one after another by demons when i heard this story i was okay <laughs> and when you say these planets in a row are we talking about our solar system or are we talking about planets we aren't even aware of i, I did not see which planets are these mm. that i did not see right on yeah it's got to be tough to know but he also mentioned alexander this thing called the people's liberation movement of the USSR and that's interesting because apparently in their documentation it states that there's some direct continuation of Tartaria which seems to be a culture lost to history so to have any kind of documentation that hey here was this great empire that was removed from history and we're a continuation of that I mean that's pretty interesting. Yes, he actually registered in the United Nations. He registered this Union Anti-Terror as the legitimate in legal terms. It is called local government 
for Russia because he submitted the in the United Nations proof that Russia is taken over by inimical forces and they took over with with guns in Kremlin. There was no agreement. They simply went and shot everybody and after that light that people wanted. To, it was actually purely a murder operation and there is no direct connection between the USSR and the current Russian Federation, which is nothing else but registered in the West trade firm. And lately it is becoming clearly uh, private trade firms of Israel, even openly. Now, of course, it has always been like this underground, but now it is, they are even not hiding it anymore. Since the months they are privatizing all military, it is very much legally owned by we know who. So he registered because according to international law, when a nation is suppressed by foreigners, they have the legal right to register their own government and gradually take their position as the legitimate government. So he submitted the papers and he said, I wasn't expecting that much of an easy approval, but since the Russian Federation is not even registered as a country in the United Nations, they got approved straight away. And when he's sending these letters, which I mentioned earlier, for the parasites to say their last prayers or join the side of life, he's signing them as the legal government, which is the continuation of USSR and Tartaria. He openly, he also wrote there, Tartaria. They are the inheritance of Tartaria. And also he explained something which will be very difficult to explain to the Western public, but I will try that when the new age starts, it will not be like communism, but they will take up where communism finished. Because, yes, communism was a parasitic system, but apparently it wasn't that good for them because they brought it down, yeah? Uh They themselves, it did not come from the people, and they prefer the tyranny to be organized in something which they call capitalism or whatever, which is clearly tyranny and nothing else, democracy. So he said that in legal terms, this new organization, which will hand out the riches to the people when the new age starts, it will be done as a continuation of USSR and his government, he registered it as a continuation of USSR because the Russian Federation doesn't even have the status of a country. Hmm. This is all very interesting. And obviously these terms, capitalism, communism, people have a lot of emotion wrapped up in their definition sometimes. But I think this audience understands what you're saying, which is that at the top, These people control both sides of the coin, and there's always a division, east and west, black and white, rich and poor, communism, capitalism. And communism in Russia didn't end because the people demanded it and were rioting in the streets, as you say. It was just done from the top, because at the top they control both sides. And so they probably looked at the data over which system is easier to control, which system generates more power at the top, and they went with capitalism. So they folded communism in 
Russia. And I think people understand that contrary to what we're told, these decisions are just all made at that top level and they control everything anyway. So they just try different experiments and pit us against each other. Yes, they put up all this communist power and communist government. They appointed it. However, the people inside the government betrayed them. They started working in the interest of the people as much as they could, you know, under those circumstances, instead of in the interest of the parasites. Like, for example, in China, they are still saying that, you know, we have a communist party and it is the only party. But in reality, there is no communism in China anymore. It's uh, the same tyranny as everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. The state has obviously a ton of more in-your-face control, but they're capitalistic like the rest of the countries, you know, that when they operate at that high level, when they're dealing with finance, when they're capturing other lands and doing mining operations in Africa, it's really no different. Yeah, also their social structure, I mean, they, the way they trade inside the country is organized is absolutely following the capitalistic model. It has nothing to do with communism. I'm just mentioning it to explain how these terms are absolute fake. But unfortunately, sometimes in the West, people are a bit too negative towards the term of uh, communism. Right. They get triggered. People get triggered. I mean, everybody's been mind-controlled and propagandized to such a degree that even hearing words that are uncomfortable can send them into a tailspin. But I think the people we're talking to now are all right. And uh, in terms of Tartaria, I, I know that you've made a few videos showing the images of the big city squares using Tesla coil-like electric power and these competitions they would have with electric swords, but also that this whole religious symbol of the cross was originally, or at least for a time, something that looked a lot different. And it was a conductor for the electrical energy in the atmosphere. That's why it's often placed at the top of a steeple. You even show churches that had metal floors, which indicates some type of electric charge being distributed throughout. And I've had a lot of guests talk about how churches or religions or the ceremonies used to be a lot closer to something spiritual and transformative like an ayahuasca journey and obviously that's all been taken out and now it's quite shallow and it has no teeth anymore and it's just kind of a control structure but can you talk to us about some of this hidden technology or this past of Tartaria that's been wiped off the map and apparently I guess Tartaria of course we should say existed on the land we now call Russia? At some point, it encompassed most of the Earth. Like in the oldest maps, it was practically on all continents. That was at the time when the concept of a country started emerging, so it was still very blurry, as far as I understand. And later on, as the very existence of the country started looking like countries we understand them nowadays with boundaries and restrictions for passage and so on. Then it started shrinking to a few spots in Siberia and eventually disappeared. 
And all that is not by chance, because in these regions, in the Ural Mountains, in Siberia, that is where the 